Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 33. Ah, you like that? We got the episode numbers, we went back, we counted up, and I'm sure you noticed on the the website or where you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, you are subscribed, right? uh, I I don't think so. (laughs) But why would I listen to a podcast that I record? It would be redundant. Good, good question, but I do enjoy listening <laughs> now and then to make sure it still sounds as good as I think it does. I like having episodes, though, because now we can have anniversary or right. marker episodes like 50, which we're not there yet, and 100. Right. Okay. A lot of the podcasts have special guests for these episodes, and we would have some sort of financial special guest like <laughs> El Aryan Muhammad, that guy. Did the you guy see that Pimco? that guy from PIMCO might be the... Uh, he's up for, what's the second, I forgot the name of the second in command of the Fed, Fed vice chair or something. That would be an exciting guest. (laughs) Our podcast numbers would triple and quadruple if that happens. Yeah, he might be a little bit over our heads (laughs) and certainly over, you know, some of the listeners' heads. Um, yeah, maybe we could get our buddy Richard Thaler. Yeah, why not? I don't doubt they're knocking down his door for podcast requests. Yeah, if we could figure out the technology, probably, you know, he can sit in his office and do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll get to work on that for the 100th episode. Yes, definitely. Given our current pace, we've got another three years to get there. Um, But that's not what we want to talk about today. What we want to talk about, I've got to play the music, Dave. Yep, there it is. The music, and we haven't played it in a long time. No. It's been forever. That's it. And that's... Why have we left? What's happened? I don't know. I don't know if, uh, you know, that's, if you're not familiar with it, that's our Barry Rithholtz music, uh, courtesy of Ken Hunter, our old producer back at uh, WMAL. Uh, he, did he actually sing that, or was that JJ who sang it? Uh, that was JJ who sang okay. in it, right? Yeah. But but Ken mixed it all together, and he's the brilliance behind it. And you know, he did that after we had week after week praised Barry Ritholtz, who uh, is he still a columnist for the Post? I was about to say maybe part of the the drop off here has been based on my Sundays when I pull out the Washington Post business section. But I pull it out almost all the time. I don't know if I've seen as many Barry Ritholtz. I wonder if he's still syndicated with yeah, the Yeah, I wonder if he's not. Maybe that's, Maybe that's why. why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so hard to find on Bloomberg or whatever else, you know, wherever else he is syndicated. Um, I- I'm going to give him some partial credit on this one because 
Um, I was clicking through his website, reading some of the articles on there, and he had a chart that I had seen years and years ago, and uh, you know I thought it was a great chart. So I'd, I'd seen it before, and he just kind of refreshed my memory as to what this chart uh, was. And it's this chart, and obviously this is a visual thing, so I'm going to post this right down here below the podcast. So if you're on the website, you'll be able to see it right there. That shows the cycle of investor emotions, right? So the cycle of emotions as the stock market is rising and then as the stock market is falling. Ooh, I've not seen this. Okay. And you and I don't discuss the shows beforehand. We just bring up a topic, so I'm actually interested in this. All right. So it it starts off at this kind of baseline level uh, where you start with optimism, right? And, you know, you start at this point of optimism. Hey, I, you know, I feel good that the market, you know, has potential. Then you go up to excitement, right? right. People start to get excited. Hey, do you see the returns the last year, the last couple of years? Then you go to thrill, you know, this is where you're telling everybody at cocktail parties, oh, you didn't buy XYZ, you didn't buy internet stocks. Right. Crazy. Then you get to the point of euphoria, right? And this is the point. We've we've seen this, you know, on several occasions. Um, the most recent ones and easiest ones to point to, like I said, the internet bubble and the housing market. Right. You, know, you remember the late 90s when everybody was a stock genius, because they owned internet stocks and they were up 100% in a year. Right. Or everyone was a real estate guru in 2006 because the house they bought two years earlier was up 40% in value. Right? Yeah. This, you know, this cycle here could apply to, to any of the different markets. So euphoria is that peak of the market. Now things start to come down. Right. And by the way, the, the quote that they have next to euphoria is, wow, am I smart? Right? <laughs> because, you know, isn't that... That's great. That is That reminds me so much of, of the tech bubble time. Yeah. Because literally I was told people were incredibly... This is when I was first getting into the business around this time. Um, late 90s, people were... Smart, and they were like this guy. I remember he was really his job was a lawyer, and but he had built up uh, like from a couple hundred thousand to a million dollars or something with all these stocks. And it's like, Dave, you should really listen to this guy. I'm not gonna say his name. He really knows what he's doing. Right. It was that def- that euphoria is no other. That's a great way to describe it, and I love that what they say. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Boy, am I, I smart. smart. Yeah. Okay, so now we've hit the peak of the market there, where everyone's euphoric. And I'm going to circle back to kind of where I think we are right now. Right. I want to see what but, you think, and I'll see if I agree, because I was already thinking about that. Okay. Um, but now let's start to come down the curve here. So, so far, what I've been going through, optimism, excitement, thrill, euphoria, that's all been going up, right? Now we start to come down. And on the downside, you start with anxiety, Right, so, uh, a little anxious. Right. But the quote they have next to that one: "Temporary setback. I'm a long-term investor," right? which is which is good. I right. mean that that should be. Um, then you go into denial. Then you go into fear. Right now, people are, are you know the market's gone down, and everyone's saying, "Well, this is the next financial crisis. Right. This is the next Great Depression." You know, whatever. Fill in the blank. 
Then you really get into desperation, panic, and despondency. Okay? And, and this is really where you see people, you know, people will certainly make mistakes and sell out when they get anxious right. and things like that. But when you look at desperation, panic, and despondency, I mean, right. despondency, people are saying, if I don't sell now and get out, it's going down to zero. Right. Right. I mean, it's just going to be worthless. So, you know, I'm going to sell out and at least I'll protect what little I have right. left. Right. Right. Wow. And, and, you know, the quote that they put next to despondency there is, how could I have been so wrong? Right. Because everybody, you know, they were so smart. And now what right. happened? You know, they're, right. they're so wrong here. Well, I think if I were to go backward on your this chart mm-hmm. and I were to say, when did when did general some optimism, remember the very first thing you mentioned, which would be the beginning of a cycle. Sure. I would say to me that it might almost even be as early as the fall of 2009. Okay. Not, not right when the market started to go up. No. Let's give it six months after. Right. Say somewhere around the fall of 2009 might be a beginning part where people would say crash is behind us the market's been going up things seem stabilized it's a beginning point that if i had to look at that chart and and look at modern the Mm -hmm. recent cycle that would be my my starting point okay what do you think well as far as the starting point yeah i you know as you were saying that i was I was thinking, yes, yeah, sometime in 2009, probably fall. You're right. It you know wasn't right away, but it was once it looked like things have stabilized, it's not going to crash back down again. Yeah, you're probably right. What I thought ahead about was where do you think we are now? Right? Where do you you start on that? And I'll <laughs> tell you where I think we are. I, I think so that on the upside of the curve here was optimism, excitement, thrill, and euphoria. Right. right, a one through four there. I would say that we're somewhere between thrill and euphoria. Um, now, are we a quarter of the way through, halfway? I don't know. Um, but hmm. you know, we've been going up for a long time. It, it does seem like people are, you know, more and more noticing. Hey, it either goes up every year ten percent or fifteen percent, but it just it always goes up. And I actually don't agree with you on this. Okay. I certainly somewhat agree with you but i feel we're more on the curve of the almost at thrill but still some in the excitement category wow okay i i don't think we're there yet at euphoria or even in the middle of thrill um that could go though going from now to that can be very quick right some people might be feeling yeah, it right. but the difference is there's this long long hangover from 2008 there's enough memory of most people mm-hmm. to not quite get there yet in other words to me unlike other cycles when you have something that was rivaled the great depression to get back to get you need even more time away from it to really get to euphoria again well and i I, just to put some evidence on your side of arguing that we're not quite there when you look at the levels of cash that people are still holding it's it's still at record levels so you know the cash that's still on the sidelines if we got to that tipping point where people oh yeah maybe i will start to invest this i have forgotten about 2008 that could i could see that pushing the market into euphoria like you said pretty quick and maybe one of the reasons that this bull market is going on so long 
might be the hangover of 2008. Sure. Not the, the, the all investors, not the all in. The all in is just not, it's just taking, it's going to take maybe a lot longer than a normal cycle to right. get to the all in. So we basically grow, but within this market, this incredible bull market, it's interesting that we don't have that many huge days. No. When you look at the days, a lot of them are an, an up day. You'll have some good days sometime, Dow. Occasionally, you'll have, you know, Dow and S&P up by their, what I equate to 100 points or 10 right. on the S&P. Not that many. A lot of times your up days are six on the S&P. Five, yeah. four. Not, you don't have these huge up days. It sort of leads you to think, that you, it's just, but, but as you build in that, you know, what you're also probably not getting, which you understand a little better than me, it's more up your wheelhouse, is the P-E ratio is not quite getting out of control because no. of that. Yeah, and we've talked about this with a lot of investors recently. You know, if you think back to the internet stock days, um, it, you know, that obviously got out of control and, you know, people compared it to the, you know, the tulip craze and dot, uh, you know, the Netherlands back, you know, however long ago in the 1600s, I think. Um, but during that time, you had the price to earnings ratio of stocks get up above 30, right? Now, what does that mean if you don't like, you know, PE ratios and all that stuff? It basically means for every dollar that a company earned, investors were willing to pay $30 for the stock, right? Now, to give you some context, historically, investors have paid between $17 and $18. You know, that's, there's a lot of factors that go into what are you willing to pay. If a company is growing, well, you're going to pay a lot more. You know, If it's a utility company that you don't expect to grow, you're going to pay a lot less. Right now, the market is a little bit, depending on what metric you use, a little bit over 20 times earnings. Right, so it's a little bit high. Now the argument can be made that based on some growth and based on alternatives, meaning you're not getting anything in your cash or bonds, that that's justified. But we always throw that out there to say, hey, this is getting a little pricey. You know, the market's getting up there. Um, and the last part, you know, we kind of jumped into predicting here, but the last part of the curve that brings us all the way back to the beginning. So the bottom of the curve is that despondency. And that's just when, you know, people give up, they capitulate, they, you know, ah, this is never going to get any better. Um, no, I think it's interesting to note that they put on this chart here that the point of despondency, that is the point of maximum financial opportunity, right? Right. And the point of euphoria, the top there is the point of maximum financial risk, right? Because when stock prices are super low, well, that's a great opportunity. Of course. And when they're super high, there's much more of a risk that they go down than they keep grinding higher and higher. So um, you come back on the curve, and, and this is starting the uptrend again. You've got depression, hope, relief, and then all the way back to optimism again. So... This is the cycle of investor emotions. Right, but you can't really tell. I mean, you and I have a little disagreement as to where we are. Yeah. I, mean, I really do feel like maybe we're just not there yet. We're not at the point where P 
people are really thinking, well, you know, it's going it's to go up. I'm just sitting here. If they're not in right now, right. this is ridiculous. Might not go up as fast as that, but it's going up. And I need to get in. This is crazy. A lot of people during the tech bubble yeah. got in late because they're seeing their friends being geniuses for the same reason. It's like... You want to you want to take Dave. You've got millennial children, right? Yes. <laughs> Do they ever use this term FOMO? Are you yes. familiar with this term? Yes, I've heard it F- from them. F- FOMO, if you're not familiar with it, is fear of missing out, right? And, and this a lot of time refers to you know people on Facebook. They're at a party or something. Right. And you're missing out on the fun, but. It also refers to investors. The, the technology bubble is a great example. People started to get that fear of missing out. Like, oh my God, my my aunt and uncle, they just made 117% last year. Right. I'm, I'm missing out on this. I, I got to get in. Right. And you're right. We I don't think, this is anecdotal, but I don't think we're seeing that in this current market. So that would point to more of your argument that we're not quite at that thrill heading towards euphoria yet. Yeah, but I mean, you could, I think the, the people listening to this, look at your own situation and see where you fit, try to figure out where you fit on this. If you're in a portfolio, a lot of our listeners are have money in bonds. A lot mm-hmm. of our listeners are, are clients. Yeah. So they might have a portfolio that is 60-40 stocks, 70-30 right. stocks. And you've made money. You've had a very good year. But is there a feeling, you know what? Boy, I would have made a little more if I was a hundred zero. I, for you the know, most I'm, part. so in other words, you look at I look at my own portfolio and I think right. that a little bit. But sure. then to be, I always say, but that's fine what I'm doing now. Right. And if it were to go down, then I would really be upset that I left my game plan for what. Right. But does that feeling creep in occasionally as the market goes up? You keep yeah. looking at the year-to-date numbers, and they're always, in almost every sector, over 15%. Well, and especially when you compare that to bonds, and you know, right. your bonds are getting 1%, 2 3%. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just no, human, right. human emotion is what we have to deal with. That is what it's all about. All right. Thanks for listening. We will see you again soon. <laughs>